Locked On Podcast Network and Odyssey present Locked On Sports Today. The Utah Jazz are far and away the early surprise in the NBA. How sure are we that Ohio State and Michigan deserve to be in the college football playoff top four? And sometimes what a coach is saying is that his players just need to play better. I'm Peter Bukowski, starting your day with the can't miss stories and biggest debates in sports. You're locked on sports today. Searching all major sports. Found. Let's start with the biggest story. To start the season, we thought the Utah Jazz would be leading the league in trying to get Victor Wembenyama. Instead, they are leading the Western Conference, the best record in the West, 9-3, and three, without Rudy Gobert, who they traded to Minnesota, and without Donovan Mitchell, who they traded to the Cleveland Cavaliers. Joining me now, the host of Locked On Jazz, David Locke. And, and David, this has been a, a crazy, really, start to the season. What are you seeing why is this team playing so well in in a year where we didn't think they would be good at all so the first thing is i think that that was overplayed a little bit by everybody this still team yeah. still has mike conley still has jordan clarkson lowry markin's turned out to be absolutely terrific right kelly olenic has been a longtime player they're, they're starting nba players and then their bench is colin sexton who averaged 24 points a game in cleveland and malik beasley averaged 20 at one point in his career so this is a roster that is actually 10 deep and is playing NBA players for all 240 minutes a night, which is a little different than what you're seeing in some of the other places where I think people anticipated the tank. I think there's a lot of things here, Peter. It's awfully hard to put a finger down on one item. I want to go big picture for a second in the entire league. Sure. I think there's more talent in this league than there's ever been before. We're the longest gap we've ever been without expansion. I think the game's changing a little bit across the league. And we've got Indiana, who's supposed to be tanking five and five. And San Antonio, who's supposed to be tanking, is has won a bunch of games, and I think is sitting at it's five and six. So the fact that the Jazz, who are also in that group and had more talent, those teams are 9-3 and three and have won a bunch of close games. Maybe it's a bigger picture around the whole league than just the Utah Jazz. How much of this start would would change the way that you think the front office would approach this season? We've seen this happen before. We, we saw a Phoenix Suns team not that long ago um, go out and win 48 games in a year where we thought that was a lost season. So, Peter, I think that's the brilliant comparison. And actually, even Jeff Hornacek, who's the head coach of that Phoenix Suns team, is now an advisor for the Jazz. And mm -hmm. talking to Jeff Hornacek during training camp, he actually said to me, this reminds me a lot of our Phoenix Suns 48-win team. Mike Conley's playing the role of Gordon Dragic. There's a lot of real similarities to those two things. I do think that the problem with that is if you change your perspective as a franchise. So what happened with Phoenix is they won some of those 48 games and then they became, then they went back on a nine month timetable. I would say when the jazz traded Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert, what they did as a franchise is they put themselves on a 36 to 48 month timetable to try to improve the franchise and get better. I, if they, I think they're still on that same timetable. They just happened to be nine and three when people thought they were going to be three and nine. Okay, and, and all of that is well and good, and yet when you have a prize at the end, the way that Victor Wembenyama is being talked about as, as a, a near or, or maybe even comparable to LeBron-level prospect, this is supposed to be the reason why you tank. So how does the fact that and add in Scoot Henderson, does, does how much of, of that, of what could be there, 
also plays into this. Again, I think we're in a league-wide league issue rather than just a Utah Jazz issue. The lottery odds have been flattened so much that it's not as advantageous as it once was to take. Certainly, you'd rather have a you know, 15% chance and an 11% chance than a 9% chance. But the top, the five bottom teams, I think all have 12% or more. And then the seven or eight are at about 9%. You know, it's kind of a, a crapshoot. Like it's probably not worth it just to go tank to get that one guy as great as he might be. The other thing I think is that the teams, you know, the Jazz are playing well. They're the number one offense in the NBA. That's like the real story here is that they've suddenly become the best offense. Lowry Markin's 25 years old and really, really good. Mike Conley and Jordan Clarkson as veteran guards have played brilliantly and their new head coach, Will Hardy, has a system that teams are having a hard time guarding with the way they're playing. So I think that this could slow down a little. They've won a lot of close games. I think they're five and one in clutch games right now. There's a few things that have bounced their way. I think the Clippers missed 17 straight threes at one point in time in a game that they won by a few. So there's a few things that have have leaned their direction. I also would say, and I don't know that the franchise is on the verge of doing this. There, There's one or two pieces of this team that I would say are the strings holding the fabric together. And if you pull that string out, I think the fabric could fall apart pretty quickly. Stay up to date all year on the Utah Jazz by subscribing to Locked On Sports today and the Locked On Jazz podcast on the Odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever you get podcasts. Here's what to look for on Bet Online, your number one spot for all your gambling needs. There are a few interesting mid-major matchups on the college hardwood tonight. Wright State hosts Davidson, Steph Curry's Davidson. Bet Online has Wright State as three-point home underdogs, Marist. Hosts American, Bet Online likes the home team, favored Maris by two, and Florida Gulf Coast travels to San Diego in the nightcap. Bet Online likes San Diego by five and a half points. Bet Online, where the game starts. Now, here's what you need to be locked on today The Colts have an interim head coach who has never coached above the high school level, and now they have a play caller who has never previously performed. That role. Passing game specialist and assistant quarterbacks coach Parks Frazier will assume play calling duty for the team under interim head coach Jeff Saturday. This is according to multiple reports and sources at ESPN on Tuesday. Saturday said during a news conference, this is confusing. Saturday, Tuesday, Monday, what day is it? What way is up? Everything about this whole situation is truly truly bizarre saturday said during a news conference on monday are you still with me that he had been interviewing current staff members throughout the day to determine who might be the best fit to be the play caller the team also considered quarterbacks coach scott milanovich as a candidate to call plays according to a source but ultimately decided on frazier this colts team is going to be appointment viewing this week for all the wrong reasons the edmonton oilers did something they haven't done in 13 years the Oilers score first in a rather back-and-forth game in Tampa as they win their eighth game of the season. Hi, I'm Brett Holden from Locked On Oilers, and Connor McDavid keeps his role going. One goal, one assist, two points on the night as he scores his 14th goal of the season. He leads not only the Edmonton Oilers, but the entire league in not only goals, but points 
as well. Speaking of goals though, Warren Fogle scoring his first goal of the season and his first goal in 31 games. A massive slide for Fogle, luckily getting that monkey off his back there. Jack Campbell, speaking of getting monkeys off the back, 35 saves against the Tampa Bay Lightning. 15 of those 35 coming in the first period and stopping 12 of 13 that came towards him in the third to help propel the Oilers over the Lightning. Now on a little bit of a lighter note, Evander Kane did unfortunately suffer a horrendous cut to his wrist. He did go to hospital and he will get surgery. It sounds like Evander Kane will be fine. We are sending our best wishes to him. The Devils are on a hot streak. See what I did there. But seriously, New Jersey has their longest win streak in a while going after beating the Calgary Flames. What's up? This is Trey Matthews of Locked On Devils, and here is my post-game reaction. So, for the first time since 2011, the New Jersey Devils are on a seven-game win streak, and they have won 10 of their last 11 matchups. Now, in this game against the Calgary Flames, it wasn't their best showing, but they were able to come away with the victory by a score of 3-2. to two. They got off to a pretty slow start to the game. They didn't get their first shot on goal until well into period number one. They were 0-3 in their first uh, power few power play opportunities. They only got one shot during that time frame and what happened it was just a story of decent two-way play from Ryan Graves, Dougie Hamilton and also our captain Nico Heischer. He is now up to five games and recording a point. He has five goals and four assists during that time frame. Vitek Vancek has also done one great job in between the pipes for New Jersey Devils once again making great A saves and just keeping the Devils in it and competitive and just coming up big when they need him the most. The New Jersey Devils on the docket, they have the Ottawa Senators, they got the Arizona Coyotes, and then they got the Montreal Canadiens. So can they extend their win streak up to 10 games? Well, we're just gonna have to wait and see, but it's looking pretty, pretty promising for them right now. I guess both teams, you could use the hot pun on. Yeah, well, only one team can win. The Seattle Kraken absolutely dominated the Nashville Predators early and often on Tuesday night. The Seattle Kraken extend their winning streak at Climate Pledge Arena. My name is Erica Elayala. I am your host of Locked on Kraken, and we got a dominant win by the Seattle Kraken. The Seattle Kraken put up a four spot on Soros and the Nashville Predators, giving the home crowd something to cheer about. Play lithium, let's go. We had 20 shots, five goals overall on 20 shots on goal. We had uh, four goals on 10 shots in the first period alone. Uh, Brandon Tanev got the empty netter to make it five, but it was Jordan Everly. That scored two goals, got his second and third goal of the season. We pushed UC Saros out of this game and get a big win at Climate Pledge Arena. Now, we'll see if we can keep the streak alive. Make sure you tune in to Locked on Kraken for more on this game and what the upcoming schedule is looking like. Here is another story you need to know. Another edition of the college football playoff top four out. The Big Ten 
the big four now. There's two teams from the Big Ten in that top four. Of course, the four teams make the college football playoff. Ohio State at number two, Michigan at number three. That last game of the season sounds like that'll be a pretty a pretty good one if the form holds. Nate Dickinson from Locked On Big Ten joins me now. And, and Nate, the reason I wanted to have you on in a way is to defend the Big Ten because it's hard for me to watch Alabama, LSU, Georgia, Tennessee, and then look up at these rankings and see Ohio State and Michigan at the top when I just don't think the Big Ten is as good as the SEC. Defend this for me. Uh, the Big Ten's played better football so far. Uh, Alabama has two losses, but you could argue could be up to four with the way that it's played some of its games. You could also argue it could be undefeated, but it's played games really close. Uh, a team like Clemson, again, not in the SEC, but Clemson's played a lot of its games really, really close before getting blown out by Notre Dame over the last weekend. Big Ten teams in Michigan and Ohio State really don't have those kind of slip-ups. Uh, Ohio State had the first half against Notre Dame where the, it was a little bit rough, and then they came out and blew the doors off them <laughs> in the second half. Then yeah. this Less last rough weekend, in the second half. Right. This last weekend against Northwestern, Ohio State struggles for a half, but that was the weather beating him more than it was anything that Northwestern had done. Same thing with Michigan. Only real close game the Wolverines had was a game against Maryland that they only won by a touchdown. And you could argue that they could have won that one by more too. So while the SEC is still really good as it always has, but and the rankings are pretty reflective of that too. These two Big Ten teams have been rolling over everybody that they've played and the committee is giving that respect to them because of it. What do you make of the volatility of these rankings? Because there have been years past where we get a, we get a, a four and it doesn't seem to move really that much over the the weeks that that follow it. And so it seems like, I don't know if it is the smoothing of talent around college football, parity, whatever you want to call it, but it does seem like this season in particular has been much more volatile and you see it week to week. Every Saturday, it's like, oh, another another top 10 team goes down. Well, we've had more teams losing. Uh, Alabama usually is in a two-loss <laughs> at this point. Um, we usually have it some way a pretty fairly set at least one SEC team that we think is going to make it. Georgia is that team right now, but, but we didn't know who that was throughout the course of this season because the SEC teams have been beating up on each other a little bit more. So we do have that volatility at this point, but at the same point at this point, I feel like there's a pretty – easy at least right now today consensus of what would be ohio state michigan georgia and tcu being those four teams again things are going to change by the time we get to the end of the season but at least as things stand there's still definitely the college football front runners who are absolutely running things even if it's not necessarily the same exact four that we are used to seeing out there at the front to what degree do you think teams like Ohio State and Michigan, this is really the heart of the question, I think, can can actually hang with a team like Georgia or whoever the best team from the SEC ends up being? This year, more than years past, I think. Uh, Ohio State especially is looking like a team that's really, really ready to step onto that stage and compete with anybody that it gets thrown out there, especially on the offensive side of the ball. The defenses look just as good, too. Uh, Michigan still has to answer that question, I guess, is really what it comes down to. Stay up to date all year on the Big Ten by subscribing to Locked On Sports today and the Locked On Big Ten podcast on the Odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever you get podcasts. 
Coming up, there's only so many changes a coach can make without changing the roster. So sometimes guys just need to play better. The defending Super Bowl champs are struggling mightily. Head coach Sean McVay believes the LA Rams can change, but it starts with execution. Travis Rogers, host of Locked on Rams, is here to clarify what McVay is saying. You have what you have. And the other word that Sean McVay keeps using, other than changes need to be made, adjustments need to be made. Something that you've heard him say repeatedly is we need to execute better. Here, I'm going to take that out of coach speak and just put it in ways that somebody would talk to you or someone would talk to me. When they when, when a coach says our players need to execute the game plan better, it means they need to be they need to play better. We're we're putting them in a position where these plays should work. They're just not able to execute the game plan. They're not able that this guy block that guy. They're not able to do that. This person run this route and get open. They're not able to do it. This person put the ball on this guy's shoulder. They're not able to do it. The execution is I don't have good enough players. The execution is my good players aren't playing at a high enough level. Execution is this guy can't block that guy. There's no scheming around it. We just got to find a way to get him better. Really hard to do. Really hard to do. I, I'm optimistic that Sean McVay is going to work his you-know-what off. I'm optimistic that he's going to look under every rock for every possible solution. The pessimistic part of my brain, though, is telling me there's nothing there. You have what you have. This isn't college. This isn't where you can trade a bunch of – these are the guys they got. The trade deadline has come and gone. There isn't a draft for another, you know, nearly a year from now. This is what you have. This is what you have to play with, and they're going to have to execute. You can you can cut some guys around the fringe. You can take a guy out of the lineup put another guy in. I don't know how much of this is going to change regardless of what the actual changes may be. Here's what McVeigh can't say. This roster isn't good enough. It isn't just that the players need to play better, although the players do need to play better. This is what happens when you are going, quote unquote, all in every season. You can't consistently make the changes on the margins that make the difference between winning and losing. There isn't going to be an Odell Beckham Jr. out there every year to come in just at the right time. Guess what? If they sign Odell Beckham Jr. this year, and right now it doesn't look like they're going to, he is not going to be the difference between a team that looks DOA and a team competing for a Super Bowl. He's just not. They got lucky last year that that move was there. There was no Von Miller trade for them to make. They tried to make some moves. They couldn't do it. You lose Von Miller, you lose Odell Beckham Jr., and now you have no draft picks to go do anything. You don't have money to bring in free agents. And the one big name free agent you brought in, Bobby Wagner, does not play a premium position on a team that has a disastrous offensive line situation. No depth at receiver beyond Cooper Cup. The big shot they tried to make was with Allen Robinson, and he does not look good. He didn't look good last year in Chicago. This was the bet that you made. At some point, the forget that picks mentality was going to catch up with you. It is catching up with them. Yes, the players on the team could be playing better. Matthew Stafford, hurt, older. He needs more help. He needs Andrew Whitworth playing left tackle. He needs a healthy offensive line. Their margin for error is so much smaller. This is why teams don't like to build this way. Because you are constantly on a razor's edge. The Rams, in a lot of ways, and Rams fans will get mad that I say this, they got lucky last year. 
They got lucky to win. They got lucky. Jaquaski Tart dropped a Matthew Stafford interception that probably ends the game. They got lucky that the Packers special teams fell apart before they could even get to that game because the Rams coming to Lambeau was a really bad matchup for LA. LA got lucky that Patrick Mahomes lost his mind in the third quarter, fourth quarter of the AFC Championship game and the Bengals won that game and they had to play a Bengals team that wasn't ready instead of Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, and Tyreek Hill. Yes, forget them picks. You won a Super Bowl. That's great. Now, this is what you're left with. And finally, the NBA last two-minute report struck again. And you guessed it, the Sacramento Kings were once again hosed. I wish the NBA would do away with this. It causes so much more harm than good. I, I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. The report confirmed what we all knew if we watched the play that Clay Thompson fouled Kevin Herter As time expired in a game, the Golden State Warriors won 116-113. The foul would have given Herter three free throws to potentially tie the game. So the Kings have had two games now that should likely have gone differently or at least had the chance to go differently. But in a way, eh, they're still the Kings. That's just the reality. That is unfortunate. And these replay reviews... You'd think a system that has them would get these calls right. They can't do it. And so now you have the post hoc evaluation of them. I I hate everything about these kinds of stories. It is just get the call right. Just get the call right on the floor. Please, I'm begging you. Thanks for making Locked On Sports today your first listen. Now go find your favorite team's Locked On podcast and make them your second listen. Coming up on tomorrow's show, will Josh Allen be running the Buffalo Bills offense this week? So at least until tomorrow, stay Locked On Sports today.